welcome to Just a Parishioner. I'm Lorenz Zaragoza. Thank you for downloading today's episode. Our episodes are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, Sean could not make it today, unfortunately, but today we have an amazing guest for a new parishioner profile, and her name is Mary Jane McQuaid. Mary Jane, how are you? I'm fine today. Thanks. Good. Thank you very much for asking. Absolutely. Uh, we were talking a few weeks ago, and uh, I've been looking forward to speaking with you and meeting you. And I've got a bunch of questions for you, and uh, we're going to dive into that in a little bit. So uh, thanks again for coming out today. Um, before we get started, I just want to remind all of our listeners that uh, you can connect with us at Just a Parishioner or on Facebook.com slash Just a Parishioner. Um, you could also email us at weareparishioners at gmail.com. Um, so Mary Jane, again, thank you for coming today. Uh, the it's, it's very interesting the way that uh, I found out about your ministry, and it was actually through Instagram. So um, Our Lady of Lords Malvern here on Long Island, they have an Instagram page uh, online that we were looking at, and we saw... Um, your face pop up on the Instagram feed, um, congratulating you for winning uh, the Woman of the Year Award. Uh, I believe that was given by um, the Knights of Columbus. Yes, Is that that's correct. Right. Okay. Yes. Um, and so I saw they gave you the award. I saw the reasons they gave you the award. So I spoke to Sean and I said, well, we need to speak to Mary Jane. <laughs> and so, and here we are. Here we are. <laughs> um, so um, just to give you a little insight of what the podcast is about, uh, we do these things called parishioner profiles, and it essentially lets us know about everyday parishioners just like yourself. So the first thing I'll ask you is let us know a little bit about yourself and, and your background uh, and um, just how you got to where you are today. Well, I was born in uh, Woodside, uh, in New York. Okay. Um, I'm not going to tell you how many years ago. <laughs> I'm not going to ask. You can, thank you. <laughs> That's very prudent. <laughs> um, I'm a cradle Catholic, uh, brought up in an Irish Catholic family. Uh, what else would there be in, in Woodside but Irish Catholic families? And um, my faith came from my family. Uh, my grandmother was uh, devoted to the rosary and to the Blessed Mother. And every May we would set up an altar in our home and pray the rosary every day. Uh, so that, that's where the, the basis of my, my faith came from. But especially from my schooling, I went to St. Sebastian's School uh, and I was taught by the Sisters of Charity of Halifax. And to this day, I say that they were the best teachers that I ever had both uh, for my faith and education-wise. Um, there was a book a, n a number of years ago, um, everything I, I learned, I learned in kindergarten. I think I may be paraphrasing the title, but I always said everything I learned, I learned in elementary school from the sisters. And um, they were marvelous teachers, and I credit them with uh, basically the, the grounding that I have in my faith today, Catholic high school, Catholic colleges, uh, but still, uh, it was the elementary school that gave me the grounding. And I think that's that's the way it is, it should be, because uh, when you're so young, that's where um, your your faith is, is, is ingrained in you at that time. And I was fortunate to have these uh, good sisters who did, um, I think, a very good job, and I'm grateful to them for that. Uh, that's an amazing way of putting it because I, I don't know if some if everybody feels the way that you do uh, in regards to that foundation, um, and neither here nor there. It, you know, it sounds like that was a huge part of uh, what makes you the woman you are today. Is, is that foundation? Um, I will say this, and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I think a lot of times in today's culture. Uh, people will send their children to Catholic school, assuming that the school is responsible for raising them in the faith. Meanwhile, um, I think the school can be a great supplement to it, but it, it comes down to what's going on at home. Yes, definitely. Yes. It has to be um, supplemented, augmented, supported by the family. It's the family and the school. You know, they say it takes a village. Well, it takes a family initially. It's the family and the school working together. And uh, in, in my experience, uh, I, we had both of that working together those many years ago. 
uh, in Woodside. Uh, God bless I'm, you. I'm advertising Woodside, I guess. <laughs> I have a soft spot in my heart for it. <laughs> well, obviously, right? Uh, and, and you should. Uh, do you have any brothers or sisters? No, I don't. I'm okay. an only child, very spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> Concentrating all the faith on you then. That's good. All right. So uh, you grew up in Woodside. When did you move out to Long Island? Um, we moved uh, I when, uh, after I got married, basically. Uh, we moved, uh, well, we were in Howard Beach, which is still... You know, that's uh, Queens. Yes. <laughs> uh, but then we moved to, uh, we moved to Malvern 35 years ago. Oh, wow. So we, we're here 35 years in Our Lady of Lords Parish. And um, uh, we couldn't have moved to a better place. Uh, God provides, you know, God takes care of, of everything. <laughs> Where you live, the parish you go to. And uh, we are just so happy being in this parish this, this was a blessing. And, uh, you know, over 35 years, you have a number of, of pastors. And we've been fortunate to have uh, very cooperative <laughs> pastors in terms of our, uh, our pro-life uh, activity and, and involvement. Uh, they have been most cooperative. Well, that's amazing. And that, that alludes to um, exactly uh, why we wanted to have you on today is because um, that was one of the main reasons, or it seems like that's one of the main reasons why you won Woman of the Year because of your involvement in the pro-life ministry here. Um, now, what what is what exactly is the name of the ministry that you that you're in charge of here at, at Our Lady of Lords? It's the Human Life Committee, and that name was given to us by um, the pastor that we initially. Um, he was the first pastor that we met here. And uh, I'll give you a little background to that. Please. My husband and I were on vacation in 1992, July of 92 in Michigan. And uh, typical vacation time, um, you wake up in the morning and you have the, the day planned. And my husband is taking his shower and I'm watching television. Uh, and he comes out of the shower. I'm sitting there in tears. And he didn't know what had happened. What's What's going on? What happened? I said, you're not going to believe what I just saw. This is absolutely awful. And in my naivete or uh, arrogance, I don't know which it was, I said, we have to do something about this. He said, what? I said, what I just saw on television. I said, these babies, they're being killed. It's awful. And I found out later on that it was um, the, uh, um, the silent scream was the the uh, the video that mm. I was seeing, and it was just uh, 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 the the video was just so powerful. So um, that was the beginning. We had always been pro life, mm -hmm. but passively pro life. You know, we we would be in, involved in a little here and there, but you know, nothing really active. So when we got home, uh, we immediately wrote a letter to the pastor. Uh, complaining <laughs> that we hadn't heard of of uh, uh, sermons having to do with pro-life. Uh, in the five years at that time that we were in the parish, mm. uh, we heard one sermon by a visiting priest. So we wrote that letter to the pastor. And fortunately, Father Collins was a, a very gentle and a wise man, and he called us, very nice uh, invitation to come and, and meet with him. So we did. And he told us that um, he was interested in restarting because there had been a pro-life uh, group in the parish, but over time it had dwindled and kind of died out. Right. But he said um, he was looking to start a group and he had a few people who were interested, but no one wanted to take it over. So would my husband and I like to do it? Yeah, so, right. <laughs> don't complain exactly. unless you are ready to step up. That's exactly so it. So what could we do? Uh, of course, we said, yes, definitely. And sure enough, he had uh, several people lined up. Uh, I guess it was seven or eight people, which is a lot yeah. for, uh, for a committee to start. And they were all um, uh, just wonderful people, well-grounded and... Uh, enthusiastic, and and that's how it all got started. That was, I mean, that was going to be my first question of how you even start a ministry like that. And and you yeah. and in your story, it starts with a letter. 
Oh, yeah. it started with a, a commercial and then it, and then it jumped into a letter at yes, that point. Yes, yes, a complaint. A complaint, a complaint. Uh, not just a letter. <laughs> right. A complaint. <laughs> a complaint. Um, uh, but, we, but you know what? God God blessed the pastor at the time to be uh, to, to be as responsive as he was. To, and it to was he complaint. who wanted, he didn't want a pro-life committee. He said he wanted a human life committee, which was, as we look back now, that was a, a great title because it's human life. It's not It's not just, when you think of pro-life, you think of, of the babies. Mm-hmm. And of course, they, they are, they are the, the ones that we are focusing on. But we focus on other, the, the rest of life, you know, from, as they say, from, from uh, conception until natural death. Absolutely. You know, and now we, we're very much concerned about the, the end, you know, uh, about uh, suicide, uh, uh, assisted suicide, euthanasia, all of that is involved. So the title is, is very apt. I, I love that you, the fact that you clarified that because I think one of the common misconceptions, um, especially today, and we'll dive into today's culture in a little bit, mm-hmm. and especially the last few weeks, because I would love mm-hmm. to get your input on the last few weeks. But I think the big misconception is that if you're pro-life, you only care about the babies. The first thing I'll say is, and so what? <laughs> because the babies are <laughs> mm-hmm. very important. Um, but but you 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 hit the nail on the head where it's no. It, you know we have a stance for being pro life and 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 pro human life because yes we we care about what happens you know uh, prior to birth, and, but just as much we care about what happens after birth mm-hmm. until like you said natural death. So mm-hmm. what what a big distinction to make with just the name of the committee that you have. So thank yes. you for clarifying that. So. Um, I guess I'll, the, the the first question I'll ask is: You have the committee set up. You, you get you get it up and running. Um, what do you guys do? Uh, what do you guys do for the parishes? Uh, you know, what is your involvement essentially? Um, our basic idea is that education is the most important thing. We have to educate the people, and that's all the people. We need to educate some of the priests sometimes. Unfortunately, not here. As I said, we, we've been blessed. But we need to educate our parishioners because they don't, many of them do not know what it's all about. Um, abortion is a word. They can spell it out. They can look it up in the dictionary. But you don't know what it is, really. Um, because I feel that I had that personal experience of seeing the, the video in, in that motel room in, in Michigan. I saw that. And not that you want to show the pictures, you know, to every parishioner, but you want to explain what is abortion, what happens in an abortion. And so education is, is our main focus to get people to understand why the church teaches what she teaches, you know, but of course you have to go back to the, the 10 commandments you know, thou shalt not kill. I mean, that's that's pretty basic, right? And you know? and um, I think you, you know, you just spoke about that the word itself, abortion, right? And and it can be it can be manipulated to a way where it's not where it doesn't fall within that commandment of, of mm-hmm. thou shalt not kill. Mm-hmm. However, at the end of the day, it it is it's it's the it's the taking of an innocent life, right? Um, so you said education is a big part. I, I couldn't agree with you more. What what, what ways do you educate the parishioners and the community? Uh, we've had speakers uh, come in. Uh, we had uh, a, a priest come in, um, a happy memory now, uh, Father Michael Curran, came and spoke about the end-of-life issues. Uh, we've had other, other speakers coming in on, on different topics. Um, Tim Jacquard, uh, um, Baby Safe Haven, uh, he came and, and, and spoke to us. And we also have a deanery a group of parishes within the geographical area. Mm-hmm. And we've uh, sponsored uh, different um, activities within the deanery. Um, that has um, that has ceased a, a bit over the years. We haven't been as active because some of the people who were so active have now passed on mm-hmm. and it's not quite as active as it had been. Um, and from the very beginning, uh, in fact, I can say it's March of 1993 is was the first meeting that we had with the committee. Um, and there was a place in Freeport, Illinois, that sent out um, 
little blurbs that you could put in your uh, parish bulletin. And since, uh, I guess it was a few months after we started the um, committee, we got those blurbs uh, through the uh, internet and we got them published in the, the bulletin every single week wow. for, you know, it's, it's almost 30 years now. Yeah. So and it's always, um, it has to do with the, the holiday. For example, we just celebrated Memorial Day. So there would be some reference to that. It could be a quote from Thomas Jefferson. Uh, it could be something from um, a, a, a prayer reference, but it's always something focusing on, on the life issues. So that every uh, every week, if the parishioner picks up the uh, bulletin, and we say if because we know that sometimes the bulletins <laughs> are taken and not read. We, of course, we, right. We know that, uh, but nevertheless, it's there. Right. It's there. It's there. So if you read it once a, once a month, it's there. So that's another way that we we try to uh, educate. And of course, the most important thing is prayer. You've, you've, that's, that's the bottom line. So, uh, again, very early on, we started, um, the first Friday prayer hour from eight to nine on the first Friday of every month, we have a a prayer hour for life. In fact, uh, this is brand new, hot off the press. It, uh, this is the uh, prayer booklet that we use. And, um, the, the one that we has had been using was so old that uh, it was really getting um, threadbare. So we just got a new uh, <clears throat> a new printing, and uh, we will be using it for the first time this coming uh, Friday. And these are prayers that I put together, uh, and we don't use the whole book um, every time. We use certain prayers. Sometimes we'll say the litany and one or two of the prayers, or whatever. Um, in the back, there are uh, prayers for elections, and we always have elections coming up. Right. So it's, uh, we put that in the back uh, and prayer for religious freedom. And this is the, the prayer for elections. So that's in our booklet. So we use that um, at our discretion, basically, uh, every first Friday. That is a what a phenomenal resource to be able to to use in the parish and uh, Mary Jane. I might be reaching out to you uh, uh, offline after the fact to try to get this from you too. Oh <laughs> to sure, be able to use it oh, in other sure. parishes as well, <laughs> um, because you you've obviously put a lot of time into this, and, and because this is such such an important issue that does that does not get spoken about as much. as Oh, it should. absolutely. And another thing that I'd like to say, like the help that we get from people that it was another member of the the committee who put all digitalized all of this and sent it off to the printer and got it all done. You know, so there's an awful lot of cooperation that goes on. You know, one person can't do it all. And obviously you don't do it all. So you have to get the the help from your committee members and, and other other members of of the parish, right. and the cooperation that we get is uh, phenomenal. That's, it's just so good. That's and it, great. In, in fact, recently, and I guess it has to do with everything that's going on, um, we've been getting more and more people coming. And um, the la- at the last uh, first Friday, there were so many people that we ran out of the old books that we had. Wow. And that's what prompted us to say, okay, it's time to get a new printing of the books. So that's that's what we got. Oh, that's amazing. And then on the first Saturday of the month, again, this is um, every first Saturday, uh, we have a mass. The uh, Human Life Committee uh, asks to have the mass offered. Uh, for the conversion of political leaders to the culture of life. So who's ever at the Mass on that first Saturday, they hear that, and it's in the um, the petitions uh, uh, um, praying for our political leaders. You know, that, that, uh, that, that brings up the next question that I want to ask you. Uh, we're going to take a break real quick, um, but when we get back from the break, I do want to uh, get your perspective on um, not necessarily our political leaders right now, but, you know, what what else we can do uh, from a political perspective. And I want to get your uh, your view on what's been happening the last few weeks, um, obviously with the Supreme Court uh, leak mm-hmm. and everything that's going on to try to uh, overturn Roe versus Wade. So mm-hmm. we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. 
All right, we're back. I'm here with Mary Jane McQuaid, a parishioner here at Our Lady of Lourdes in Malvern. Um, so we were just talking about the fact that you have a mass once a month, you said, right? Yes, the once first a month, Saturday of the um, month. With the intention of conversion of uh, political uh, of political figures and their hearts. Um, I think that's something that needs to be prayed for so much more often. It's It's very easy for me, and I say this <laughs> from a personal perspective, it's easy for me to get angry um, and 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 frustrated with um, I'm not going to name any names, but political figures, especially um, that say you know they say that they're a devout Catholic, but have a stance and and vote for laws that are so against life and and the unborn. Um, so it's easy for me to get angry, but I think a much more uh, useful um, use of my energy is is putting it through prayer and, and praying for the conversion mm-hmm. of hearts. And I think that needs to be done more so, and, and I'm including my, in my, myself mm-hmm. in that as well. Um, so I, I would like to get your perspective, if you're comfortable sharing with how you feel about, um, again, not again, the, not the politicians, but what's been going on recently um, over the last few weeks with this the leak from the Supreme Court and looking that they that they're looking to possibly overturn Roe versus Wade. Uh, I mean, obviously, being part of this Human Life Committee that that has to hit home uh, mm-hmm. pr- pretty impactfully. Yes, and there's such a misunderstanding about that too, because the um, uh, the secular press doesn't tell you the whole story. If Roe v. Wade is overturned, nothing changes. Abortion has not been eliminated, okay? Uh, It goes back to the states. And all it will do is to, I think, shift our emphasis and um, focus more onto our individual states rather than on, on um, on the nation as a whole. Right. Because that's that's Roe v. Wade. Absolutely, and, and it, it's not it's not a law. That's the funny part. It was the decision of the Supreme Court. It was not a law. Okay, there were laws in the states that said you that abortion is illegal, and that that's what was taken away. And this decision held rule. So when that decision is overturned, if it is overturned just goes back to the states so that the individual states and here in New York, we're going to have a mighty difficult job because we know uh, New York is the abortion capital of the country. And we've, our governor has invited people to come. There are companies that are telling people that they will pay for their employers, employees to come to New York, if they don't live in New York, come to New York and uh, we'll, we'll pay for your, your abortion. So there's a lot of work. There's going to be even more work for us. Right. It's not it, If it gets it, overturned. It's not the end. It's the beginning. No, no. It's absolutely the beginning. Because people will say, oh, you must be so happy it's going to be overturned. Well, yes. I mean, that that's good. You're getting rid of the, that one bad decision. But the fight is still there. And if you if you listen to the news, you know that in the past several weeks since that leak occurred, um, the uh, opposition has ramped up. Absolutely. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of opposition. And if they overturn it, you're going to see a lot more of it. At least that's my opinion about it. Okay. Hopefully, no. But uh, I doubt it. I, I really think that there will be a lot more opposition than than we have had in the past. The only good thing about all that's happening right now is that the big elephant in the room has finally been recognized. Uh, elections would come and go, and they would talk about everything else, and abortion was never mentioned. Right. It was just... It was the elephant in the room. You don't talk about it. And now it's center stage. Everybody's talking about it. It is a big topic. So at least people are becoming more aware of it. And hopefully, and it seems so, that people are starting to realize that there must be more to this thing than uh, we thought initially. 
you know, people are, are, are really um, uh, enthusiastic about life and they, uh, they're willing to, uh, to defend it, uh, you know, so, so uh, uh, w- with such enthusiasm. So there must be something there. So we're hopeful that, you know, it's waking people's conscience and especially the way it's being talked about that you start to realize there is a, a baby. And of course, the science has, has, is all on our side. Uh, you know, when it was said that we don't know when life begins, you know, this I'm just quoting, you know, cliches. Um, I guess you never had biology 101. <laughs> you know, we do know. And every every medical book knew when life began, but these, you know, Supreme Court justices with great education could say that they didn't know when life began. Right. You know, that it was just from the beginning, it has been uh, a lie. And we know who the father of lies is. Uh, absolutely. And that, that's what we're dealing with. This is not, this is not just um, a difference of opinion, but um, the, the, the struggle goes beyond that. It's not just, you know, my opinion, your opinion. No, it, it goes beyond that because of the very nature of its life. And, and God is life. God has given life. He is life. So therefore, the struggle is is between life and death, and and that's that's what we're we're battling against. But in terms of of of, of politics, um, abortion was legalized in um, New York in 1970, and there were people um, fighting for for life in in New York and Long Island. I don't think Long Island. Um, really got the recognition but but when you're working for for pro-life you're not looking for recognition right but from my experience um especially with the um long island coalition for life that's an organization uh, of of parishes and organ of different organizations knights of columbus etc uh who um who, who belong to this organization that um, tries to do the same thing that we're doing. It's, it's to educate the public, keeps them informed, et cetera. And they've been in existence for uh, f- at least 50 years now. Uh, they have a publication called Life News. And it again, because of uh, our committee here, we became members of the uh, coalition. And it was through the coalition then that I got to know uh, these people who were the absolute pioneers prior to Roe v. Wade. And they were out, they were, they were the young moms, uh, uh, back 50 years ago, uh, yeah, more than 50 years ago, uh, with, uh, six and eight and one lady with her 10 little ones in, in tow, <laughs> uh, would go into Queens. Okay. From their homes out, out East and they would march. Okay. And they would, they, they worked for the life issues. But of course, we know what happened uh, in New York. 1970 came, and um, the uh, the um, the governor signed uh, signed the bill, yeah. so that it was permissible in New York State. But the those people have been such an inspiration, I think, to all of us who got to know them. Some of them have passed on. Uh, some of them are still with us and are still active. Um, there are 90 year olds who are still active. Oh, wow. They are still praying at uh, abortion clinics. Uh, they are still involved in their parishes because it's it's just part of their lives now. They are heroes. They have dedicated their lives to, to the life issue. And um, they're just wonderful people. And th- that's that's what has helped me. <laughs> you know, to, to continue, do stuff in your parish, you know, and, and a lot of them, I shouldn't say a lot, that's gross exaggeration, but I know some of them have had opposition, you know, within their parishes mm-hmm. and they haven't been able to do the things that they wanted to do. So they just sized it down so that it would fit in, right. you know, so that they could get something done. But 
uh, politically, they were active. And um, as I say, they were just, just an inspiration to anyone who knew them and, and saw what they did and they, they kept things going. You, you said yeah. the word heroes, and I don't think you're saying that lightly no. uh, because that is, that's exactly what needs to be done. Um, the first thing you said when we first started talking is education and, and, and educating our, you know, our parishioners, our communities, uh, you know, we, we like to work from, from the ground level up. And, and mm. I, I think that's, I think that's probably the most effective way. And we start with ourselves, right? We start with mm-hmm. our own hearts and our own families. Mm-hmm. Then we work our way, work our way to our communities um, and, and to work your way up to that, to, to affect the Island Queens and, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and the, you move on to the country. It's, it's starting from the ground level up and educating people on the ground floor. Um, I, I want to touch on something that you said before that we're addressing the elephant in the room now. And I think it's making it much more difficult to be passive on this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, like you were in 1991, right? Mm-hmm. Like right. we all have been where we knew, hey, I, I, you know, I, I think it's wrong. You know, I know, I, I mm-hmm. know it's wrong. Um, but number one, I don't know exactly the science behind it. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I don't know the deeper issues. I don't know the other side of it. Um, I think what's going on right now is forcing people to pick a side. And mm-hmm. and in order to do that, people need to educate themselves. And, and you said it perfectly. We're like we have the truth on on our side. And at the mm-hmm. end of the day, the truth is that this is this is a human being, this is a human life, and it needs to mm-hmm. be protected at all costs. Um, I, I do want to ask you another question, and I'm not sure if your committee helps with this at all or how involved you are. Um, but I think we can both agree that the opposition doesn't even really say the word baby and, and mm. doesn't address the fact that it's a human life. I think if they do, mm. um, they know that they'll lose essentially <laughs> in the long run. Um, they don't, but they do focus uh, obviously on the mother and the, the carrying mother and the woman. Um, the The other misconception, especially with the church, is that, or, or even the pro life side, but but the church is that they don't care about the woman and that it's all about the baby. It's all about the baby. Now, the baby is obviously very important, um, but I, I wanted to get your perspective just on the sanctity of that woman carrying that child as well and how important it is to focus on the woman for, from our side as well, because she is she is just that that her life is just as important as the child's is. Um, and at the end of the day, we, we, if, if a woman has had an abortion in the past or considers it, it, you know, there, there needs to be a lot of healing and, and our, and our church, our, the, the Catholic church is just open arms saying, this is a place, this is a place for mm-hmm. reconciliation. This is a place for mm-hmm. healing. And this is, our doors are not closed to, to, to this individual, um, and I'm just curious if your committee um, has had the, you know, a history of working with women in the past of, of, of who might identify with, with this. Yes. Uh, Mama's House is, um, um, it is a, a place where young women can go if they are pregnant, um, they need a place to stay. They've been put out of their own home sometimes. Um, parents don't want them if they're you know, if they're going to carry the baby to term. And Mama's house has been, it used to be right here on our property. Mm. Uh, in fact, right next door where the, the part of the parking lot uh, was Mama's house. But over time, it has been moved. Uh, two of two of the houses are in West Hempstead. Um, one is up in um, uh, Jericho, the Jericho area. And I think there's one in East M- Massapequa. And the headquarters are in um, Wantua. And uh, Pat Shea is the woman who initially took in a pregnant girl into her home so that she wouldn't abort her baby. And from that, taking in that one girl, uh, this organization has grown uh, tremendously. How long ago was that? Oh, 35, 40 years ago. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, and when the house, when they first took the, 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 in fact, it was this father Collins that I mentioned, uh, he knew Pat from a previous parish 
and the house that was available uh, had belonged to, um, I think it was the groundskeeper, and he was no longer here, and the house was empty, and he offered her this house. And the, the parishioners all chipped in. There were engineers, there were carpenters. They, they renovated, and they made the house suitable for her taking in several girls, and that's that's the way it started. But as I said, that that house is gone now, but uh, s- several of the houses do exist. And um, it's uh, it's been, as I say, it's been in, in around for 35, 40 years. And, and Pat has been uh, a tremendous um, advocate. Uh, she's a so- basically a social worker herself. Mm-hmm. So she, she knew the ropes so that she could really take care of these girls. There are house mothers who live with the girls all the time. Um, and and we we try to support them. Um, we sell uh, corsages on Mother's Day and Christmas cards um, yeah, at Christmas time. Yep. And uh, the proceeds all go to Mama's house. And then um, sometimes we'll have a, a drive for uh, a clothing or whatever and uh, make a donation to Mama's house or to the Life Center of Long Island because that's a pregnancy help center. That's different from, from Mama's house. Mama's house, the girls live there. Mm-hmm. And they can live there for uh, until they deliver their babies and then for a time after that, depending wow. upon the individual girl. Right. Um, one of the girls that, that I, I knew personally, um, she stayed, she, gra- she went to college, she graduated, uh, and she's now uh, an assistant principal in one of the schools on the island. And she has her, her little boy is no longer a little boy. Oh, he's, wow. he's, he's probably in college by now. <laughs> Um, but that's the kind of stories that uh, that Pat could tell of of the women who have gone through the house and um, they have received the love and the care and the concern uh, of of Pat and and her staff that they have uh, they've done tremendous work. And with, she's still with, running it. Oh yes, yeah. and now her daughter is taking over. Wow! So it's you know she's passing it down to the next generation which is beautiful. One day maybe we'll have you, Pat and her daughter on uh, on together. <laughs> we'll have we'll have a big discussion I together. I would definitely recommend Pat uh, uh, Pat Shea. Okay. Uh, uh Mama's house, one tour. <laughs> you're, you're, don't di- don't ditch us, Mary. You're, okay. you're joining us on that conversation too, okay? Uh, and then um, then the other the other uh, assistance that we give is to the Life Center of Long Island. Um prior to uh, my retiring, um, I, I, we had, we had connections with, um, the life center. We knew that that was a, a pregnancy help center and uh, what they did. And we used to buy our Christmas cards from them and then sell them and so on and help them out. Um, but then, um, I retired and I, I became a volunteer at the life center. And, uh, I, I did that for, I guess it was about 13 years. And, um, the help that we gave to uh, to women, uh, they would come. Some of them were uh, abortion minded, uh, so they would come and uh, they they thought we we provided abortions, and uh, you know you would talk to them and try to give them advice and direction and give them information, you know uh, how long they were in their pregnancy. You'd give them information about their baby, about the help that was available to them. Uh, recommending that they get uh, uh, pregnancy uh, support, you know, in terms of, uh, of their health. And uh, we, we did that. And, and clothing, uh, people would uh, um, donate uh, baby clothes and diapers and uh, uh, formula, car seats, cribs, just everything that the mom would need for her baby. And unfortunately, there would be times when you know, they would still have their abortion. Mm-hmm. But, but we could recommend them to um, hospitals and doctors who would give them a, a sonogram mm-hmm. with, without charge. Wow. A- and once they see the sonogram, uh, I, I think it's somewhere in the area of between 80 and 90% of the women will choose to have their baby. 
Right. Because once they've seen the baby, it's, it's a completely different story. Absolutely. Uh, someone once said if there was only a little window to the <laughs> womb, it, it would be so much so much easier for her to, you know, to accept the, the life of her child. Right. So but with the technology was, today and oh, these 3D yeah. photos that they have that they could capture within the womb, it's essentially a window yes, at yes, this Yes, it really is. Yes, right? exactly. And, and, and it raises the question that, you know, years ago when when – when when Roe versus Wade uh, was was put in, we didn't have the technology no. that's right. available today, right. and and the question is, w- would it have gone through if 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 we did? If we did, right? right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I, I mean, I just love. I know that in the beginning of our discussion, education is what we discussed a lot of, and and I agree with you. I think that is a huge part of what we need to do as Catholics is 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 educate not only from a factual perspective, but from a, a moral perspective as well, and and what mm-hmm. uh, what God is calling us to do and be. But in addition to that, it, it sounds like you guys are just creating these amazing um, fields of support. Uh, just for women and, and resources for a, a, anybody out there who's seeking it. But as you say about the, the forgiveness, the woman who has had the abortion, you know, Catholic women have abortions at the same rate as as the general population. I didn't know that. So that that is really important. And um, there is a group, uh, it's not just for Catholics, it's called Rachel's Vineyard Retreat. And... Um, it was started at the by the Life Center uh, back in 2003, and um, I was one of the, the first team members, and I was on the team for, uh, I guess it was a little a little more than 10 years, and that is the most amazing experience that you can have as a team member. It's like watching the Holy Spirit up close and personal. You see the Holy Spirit at work. It's unbelievable. Women and men come in on a Friday evening. It's usually held in a retreat house or uh, in the, the seminary. Um, they come in and it, let me just back up a little. Um, the group is usually pretty small, uh, eight to 10 people, 12 sometimes. Uh, you want to keep it small because it's such an, an intimate uh, um, aspect of their lives that you're dealing with. Of course. And when they come in on a Friday evening, um, they're like, mo- most of them come in um, not knowing what to expect, not not know some of them not knowing why they, they're there. You know, I don't know why I signed up for this. Right. You know, but here I am. And by the time they leave on Sunday afternoon, they're transformed. Something has happened. Now, one of the things that they're told during the retreat, after the treat, retreat is over, you're going to go home and you're going to be on a high. You're going to be up on the mountain. Uh, but then you, you, have, you come down from the mountain. You know, after uh, the uh, the Mount Tabor experience, you, you do come down. Right. You know, and but when you come down, you know you've been there. And you know what has happened. And it's to note, many of them will say that they they know God forgives them, but they can't forgive themselves. How could I do that? You know, it's it's that that's personal feeling. How could I have done that? And what goes on during the retreat, it's all biblical-based. So the scriptures are run throughout the entire weekend, and they have the opportunity to speak to other people who have had the same experience. And it might be the first time that they've been able to do that because you just don't sit down over a cup of coffee with your girlfriend and say, well, how was your abortion? You don't do that. Right. So at, at this uh, retreat, they're able to talk with other people who know what it was like and the experiences that they've had and the, the differences and yet the similarities. Some, some women will feel, um, nobody can feel the way I feel. This is horrible. Uh, I know my friend had an abortion and she, she's fine. She seems to be okay. But when you get to the retreat, you find out that 
other people seem to be okay too, but they're hurting inside. And the retreat, I can't say enough about it, about the the beauty of it, um, the uh, the blessing that it is to those who go. And as I say, it's men and women because sometimes the men go, um, uh, they're so frustrated because they had no choice. They didn't have a choice. They were told that their their girlfriend or their their wives uh, had the abortion or were going to have the abortion, mm-hmm. and they they couldn't stop it. Right. Or on the other hand, they they paid. They paid up front. Right. You know, take care of this. They this were, is your they problem. Were, they were the voice to convince. Yes, the, exactly. So, other, right? uh, in terms of helping the women, uh, th- that's that's something that again, um, it's like a secret. That, that people don't seem to understand. Um, and going away for uh, a weekend is good. There are other, other um, healing programs too. Uh, the Sisters of Life have a, have a healing program. I love the Sisters of Life. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we were the first, talk about, you know, getting people into the parish. I think we were the very first parish where they came to speak. Oh. The two two sisters came. It was mm-hmm. the first time after their early training that they came out to to speak in a parish. Right. So they came here. But um, you said they have a they have a program as well. Yes, yeah. they have a a, a a successful healing program too. Right. Uh, but there there is there is healing after abor- uh, abortion. Uh, you never forget. You never forget your child. But you, it's it's different. It's different. It's, you think not so much of the of the abortion, you think more of the child, and you think of God's grace, and you think of how God has forgiven you. That that's that's the positive part, and that's that's what more and more people need to to ha- to experience that kind of healing, and nobody can bring that about. You know, you can sit and talk with a woman and say that God has forgiven her. Um, and and that that's useful. It's it's not that it's not useful, but to actually go through this experience and and to experience the scriptures and to listen with your heart and to see how God has forgiven you, the the the, the blessing that that is in a person's life, you can't take that away from them, right. so that they they can they can live live their lives. We've had we've had women as young young girls like seventeen years old, and we've had women seventy three years old who have come, you know, many many years after the abortion, and some of them six months after the abortion. Right. You know it 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 and so some of them have been carrying that burden for so long. Um, I had one woman say to me, she said, "I sat in the church and and this was a." You know, uh, not not a parishioner from our parish. I want to make that clear. But she would sit in her her parish church, and um, a good parishioner, you know, active and so on. And she said every Sunday, you know, the, the priest would give his sermon, and they never mentioned abortion. And I always felt that it must be so bad that they don't even want to mention it in church. Mm. You know, and that—that's how she felt about it. It must be so bad, right. and yet, when she made the retreat, it was just a completely different experience for her. So sometimes priests, in their, they believe it's their compassion for the woman. They don't want to mention it. They don't want to hurt her, but not saying anything can also be hurtful because someone can take that as well. It must be so awful. Wow that they don't want to talk about it. And that's a perspective I've actually, I've never thought about. Uh, like I, I have my own reasons as to why I think priests don't talk about it as much. Um, but you're right. I, I don't think there's any malice behind it, yeah. but, but just as much harm can, like what you're saying is just as much harm can be done by not talking about it than, mm-hmm. than, than talking about it. Right. And you can't talk about it every Sunday. That's, yeah, right. I certainly understand that. Right. But there are times when, especially the gospels will lend themselves to, to mention, or at certain times of the year, you can give uh, on, on respect life Sunday, 
you know, uh, a really heartfelt um, pro-life uh, talk, uh, but especially for the, the woman who's had the, the abortion. Right. She has to know that she has not committed the unforgivable sin. And that's that's the label that that many Catholic women will put on the abortion. Right. It's the un- and put on themselves. The yeah, unforgivable they, on themselves. sin. You know, right. what can I do? You know, we, we've spoken a lot about, you know, this topic and going all the way from just educating, educating your everyday parishioner to, um, to resources. And, and I just, I love the resources that you've mentioned today, because we're talking about resources for young moms, resources for pregnant women who are, you know, in a, in a weird state and just uh, confused and but again, there's there's also a resource, as you're mentioning now, there are resources for women who are just seeking healing and and the resources are there, you know, mm-hmm. and, that's, yes. and that's what I think that's what the point of your or, or one of the points of your committee is, is to let everybody know, no matter what state you're in right now, there mm-hmm. is a resource for you. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that you, I mean, I just mentioned one topic and you list it off the top of your head because you live <laughs> it and breathe it. <laughs> um, so I appreciate that about you, but you're right. I mean, the resources are there and you just need to to seek them out. And um, I think your committee is doing an amazing job in, in providing either the resources themselves or or leading, you know, you know these women to, to the correct path. Um, we are going to take one more break. And when we get back, the question that uh, I have for you is um, if, if a younger person comes up to you who is hesitant to jump into, you know, these pro-human, pro-life activities or, or they're hesitant to be vocal about it, um, I, I would love to know the advice that you would give these younger individuals because um, to your point, this generation, you know, we needs to speak up as well. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. guys, welcome back. Again, I'm here with Mary Jane McQuaid uh, out here in Malvern in Long Island. Uh, We've had a very long discussion um, in regards to being pro-human, pro-life. And uh, the question I pose to you, and and I'll ask you again, is again, younger individuals in their 20s, 30s, or 40s um, who are very hesitant. I guess it's not just young individuals, just people in general who are very hesitant to be vocal um, about standing up for life, um, you know, what advice do you, do you have for them? Because we are living in a society um, that's very vocal on the on the opposite side, and and the misconception is if you hold a, a pro life stance, um, then then there's something wrong with you. Um, so, what is your advice to to individuals who are hesitant to speak up? My uh, my advice to the the people who are college bound or in college presently uh, is to get yourself involved in some group within your college that has to do with life because many of the colleges do have uh, pro-life groups on, on campus. And if they don't, uh, you can start one yourself. And there are organizations such as students for life um who will help you to get started. Uh, today, mo- most of our, our young people are, um, they're not afraid of, um, of being different. Yeah, no, I guess that's not the right way to put it. Um, but they have a certain um, sense about themselves that they can do things perhaps that others aren't doing. And Getting involved with an issue uh, is is one way of uh, of growing up. Basically, uh, on on many campuses there are um, groups, uh, as I say, of of uh, students for life. And if they're not on your campus, uh, you can know you can get on your on the uh, internet and you can uh, um, contact them. Wow! And they can tell you. They'll come. They'll they they will go. They'll go wherever you you are, and help you. Uh, they have. Uh, they'll send representatives, and they'll help you to um, uh, get organized. Show you how to do it. And it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, thirty five kids. It's you and your friend. 
Yeah. You know, you have a friend uh, on, on campus and, and and you find out that the two of you have the same ideas, but you don't want to speak up because you know, nobody else is thinking the way you're thinking. Or at least you think that, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But nobody else is saying anything either. Right. So you find out, well, what, what could we do? Well, you might not have an idea as what you can do, but there are other kids who have been through the same thing. And they have thought through this and worked through it for a number of years now. And they would be able to help you. And another group that is fantastic is uh, FOCUS, F-O-C-U-S, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. They are on numerous ca uh, campuses uh, throughout the country. And if there's uh, one on your, your campus, uh, link up with them. Uh, they start off with, with Bible studies. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a, a beautiful group to get involved with. Um, companions, people who uh, have the same goals in mind that you do. Um, and even if, even if you say, well, I'm not one of those, you know, that, uh, you know, as they used to call them, holy rollers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, but you're interested, you know, like this, this religion thing. Uh, yeah, maybe there, there's something to it. Well, go find out, right. you know, join up with, uh, or a Newman club. There are Newman, Newman clubs on, on campuses. Um, so there are those groups. you got to look for it. You know, it's not going to come knocking on your, uh, door, door, door. Yeah. you know, go, go out and look for it because you've got to find somebody Somebody, even even if it's one person, who who has the ideas that you have, who who has come from a, a background of of, of faith. Uh, as I say, it doesn't have to be that uh, you know you're uh, what what somebody might say overly religious, but you have an interest. You have the faith. It it, it was given to you at baptism. If you're a baptized Christian, uh, you have that faith. Now search it out. Go go look for look for the things that will help to support you. You know you you do it in other ways. If you have an interest in uh, in technology or you have an interest in uh, in medicine or whatever it might be, you 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 go to a college that has uh, you know an emphasis in that area. Well, you have to do the same thing with your your spiritual life. You have to grow. You're not just a uh, a bunch of cells. You are a body and soul. You know, when we, when we hopefully get together in the next world, we're going to be body and soul. We're not going to be little souls or little, uh, whatever's floating around right. up there. We're going to be body and soul. So you, you take care of your body, you know, you run and you watch your diet, etc but you have to take care of your soul. It's part of you, who you are. This is who you are. So don't neglect it. Don't, don't let it die away and, you know, uh, have no strength. Go, go look for it. And you will, you will get the strength that you need. Pray, pray. You know, everybody knows the Our Father and the Hail Mary. You know, pray that God will help you to, to grow spiritually, to grow the way he wants you so that you become the person that he wants you to be. You know, we always say, this is what I want to be. Well, that's good. You, you should have a goal. But it's also, who does God want me to be? You know, we, ha we, ha we work with God and God works in us. So we, we need that. We need to, we need that feeding, both spiritually and, and 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 physically. So that that would be my advice to the the the, the people who are still in college. Um, they're um, they're the most most vulnerable because they are in the lion's den for the most part, uh, regardless of what college you go to. Right there are. <laughs> There, there are challenges that you can face no matter where you go, mm -hmm. uh, whether you're in a Catholic college, a so-called Catholic college, or a secular college. No matter where you are, um, you, you will face challenges. So um, try to find uh, a, 
an individual and then group, a group that will help you to do what what is good for you. That's I'll, the thing. I'll say the latter half of the advice that you gave to college, uh, you know, people going to college applies to every single one of us as right. well. Right, <laughs> so, right, how true. Like, the first half, absolutely, go find a club, uh, yeah. you know, but the second half that you just dove into about, I, I mean, that was just, I, I'm sitting here forgetting that we're recording a podcast. I'm listening to you with that advice because <laughs> uh, the second half of what you said, that applies to everybody. Try to find yourself, try to find out who God wants you to be and 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 pray, 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 pray. Okay. I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. that's yeah. phenomenal advice. Um, Can I add just one thing? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, in addition to to what I said about the younger, the youngest people, the ones in college, um, this is a, a book that uh, our um, a committee is going to get at our next meeting. So this is a speaking, speaking for the unborn. Speaking for the unborn by uh, Stephen Christie. Yes, right? uh, and talk about educating yourself, and you know how do you get other people to to spread the word, to talk, because even among committee members, there sometimes is a hesitancy, Mm -hmm. you know, especially among our family. You know, it's easy to talk to the, uh, the neighbor, easier to talk to the neighbor than it is to talk to your son or daughter or granddaughter or grandson. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's the hardest thing to do, I think is, is to talk pro-life in your family, especially if they're, they're not pro-life. Right. So the, this book, uh, it's speaking for the unborn pro-life rebuttals to pro-choice arguments, the pro-choice uh, argument that is given. And then what is the appropriate answer? Yeah. And of course it's, it's not in a fighting kind of way, but if the, the, the pro-abortion person says X, then you can say Y, you know, you, and one of the, the uh, suggestions is you always ask an, ask them a question rather than um, what you know, gives them an answer, you know, right away uh, to uh, to their objection. Absolutely. No, just ask them, well, well, why do you hold that position? Or why do you think that's so? Or why do you think that's done? Right. You know, it, it get a dialogue going. You know, it, it should never be an argument. You're never going to convince anyone. With an argument. With, with an argument. Yeah, I mean, you're, that that's a great point because uh, – like you said, you know, you're, these these probably aren't ways to win an argument, but you still need to be able to stand firm in your belief. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's difficult for us to be able to articulate that. So it's great advice of just uh, once again, just educating yourself. And this this sounds like a, a great resource to be able to do that. Um, to your point, uh, if you get into an argument, nobody's going to win because everybody's going to plant their heels further mm-hmm. and further into the ground and there's going to be uh, no open-mindedness at all. But if a discussion get, opens up, I think the goal, if, especially if you're speaking about this topic, is move the needle, even if it's a little mm-hmm. bit. Get them to yes. move the needle and get them to think about one of these, uh, something within this topic in, in a different way. And then revisit the conversation another time down the road, mm-hmm. uh, but get 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 the needle to move just a little bit, because to your point from before, that what we have in our favor is truth, and mm-hmm. if you continue to ask questions, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, there, uh, you know, truth will always win out. Right. So. Uh, we talked about a lot. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> um, like if we kept this going to your point before, we could probably go another two hours. Uh, but I'll say this um, before we wrap up, Mary Jane, what are some last uh, tidbits or, or things that we might not have touched on in, in the discussion um, that, that you would want uh, listeners to hear? Pray. <laughs> That, that is real. That's the bottom line. We just have to continue to pray, pray and act. Uh, Father Pavone always says that, that, you know, prayer is our foundation, but we can't just, just pray. It, it could almost be a cop out. Well, I'm praying about it. You know, we have to then do something. We're at a point in our history and in the history of, of this problem that we're facing that we've got to put our prayer into action. We've got to do something. And the doing something can be as simple or as difficult as simply talking to someone else about the issue or just telling them 
how you feel, not even challenging them or not even uh, being um, inquisitive as to where they stand. Um, there's so much on the news today, etc. There's nothing wrong in your simply saying, this is what I believe and this is why I believe it. You know, give, give a reason, St. Peter, St. Paul, one of them. <laughs> Give a reason for the faith that is in you. You know, so you can talk about the issue and, and give a reason why you think that this is wrong and why we need to, to defend life from the very beginning until the very end. And it's it, right now, um, we're, we're getting to a point where at the very end, we're going to have to, the, the, the fight is going to, um, begin all over again uh, for the, the, the elderly and uh, the, those who are um, at the, uh, the end of their journey. We're going to have to be fighting for them and praying for them. So pr prayer and, and follow it by doing something. An amazing, amazing pieces of advice, Mary Jane. So uh, one more time, I want to thank you so much for all of your time. Um, I hope to have another discussion with you again. Um, I know for a fact that my partner, Sean, is when he listens back, he's going to be kicking himself that he couldn't make it today um, because he he would he would be all about this as well. But uh, Mary Jane, thank you so much again. Thank you for having me. I really uh, enjoyed being with you and, and speaking to your audience. Uh, great. And, and those who are listening, I know that you took a lot out of today as well. So once again, thank you for downloading today's episode. Uh, make sure that you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget to connect with us at Just a Parishioner on Instagram at Facebook.com slash Just a Parishioner. And you can email us at weareparishioners at gmail.com. Um, please know that that myself, Sean, and Mary Jane, I'll speak for her as well. We are praying for you, and uh, please pray for all of us as well. God bless. <laughs>